0: joining us as we hear an anointed word from Treasure Coast Victory Center. Well praise God. Bring a Bible this morning? It's probably a good idea if you don't. Go to Matthew chapter eleven this morning. As we continue teaching about the kingdom of God and about kingdom things and it seems Since I've been preaching the kingdom of God now for probably about a year and a half to two years, it, uh, I don't know if it's a sword or what it is, but it's either received or not received. You know what I mean by that? Some, Some people hear it and like it, and it touches them and they jump in, and other people hear it and think it's not what they've been hearing for the last 35 years, so they really don't want to deal with anything new at this time. So they basically stay where they're at and they don't go further. But I'm fully convinced that this teaching of the kingdom of God is in a stage basically to where people right now are doing, you know, like farming. You've got to go out there and you've got a field and you've got to dig up all that ground and remove all these rocks before you can even really plant anything. And I think we're doing some rock removal. You can almost see the rocks in people's heads. Well, you know what I mean. Things we've been taught, and the ground's real hard, and you got to keep beating that ground and keep doing it. But I believe it's going to escalate to a point to where people are going to get it and understand it, and then the next seed that's sown is going to be able to grow a lot quicker. Are you following me? Because it's going to be ready to go. It's going to be churned up. It's going to be ready. Going to be a little fertilizer thrown on the thing, and this kingdom message is going to take off sooner or later. It has to because Christianity is not working. Not working let's face it if you've been a christian for 25 years you probably still got 90 percent of the same problems you had when you came into the kingdom of god to begin with basically and you've tried your best to get out of them and it hasn't worked and you've asked god to get out of them and you couldn't and you probably tried to put god in control and that didn't work and anything else but there's a revelation of a message of who you are and where god has really done for you that will totally set you free in your life and this kingdom message has taken me to a lot higher plane and I thought I was on a good plane before. How I many? You know, sometimes you think you're on a year. Man, I've arrived. You know, about 15 years ago, I'm there. You understand? Everybody's down there, and I'm going to bring them all up to here. And then the Lord started talking to me, and I found I didn't know nothing. <laughs> didn't understand nothing. Didn't know nothing. Basically, I was just, if I can use the word, regurgitating things that other people had taught. And there's nothing wrong with what's being taught and what's been taught over the years, but I think there needs to be a different revelation of who we are and what God has done for us and about the kingdom of God in a country. That's why we're doing it on Sundays, and we're also doing it on Wednesday nights. Sometimes on Sunday mornings, we sort of springboard off Wednesday night. So some of you are sort of trying to catch up to those who are on Wednesday night because they've already had a basis for what I'm preaching on Sunday. Are you following me? Thank you for your excitement. Go to Matthew chapter 11. Look at verse 11, Jesus is speaking, should be in red if you have a Bible, if you have a phone, I don't know what color it's in. Chapter 11, verse 11, Jesus says, Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, how many of you were born of a woman? Praise God. Among them that are born of women, there has not risen a greater than John the Baptist, notwithstanding he that is least. In the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. This is an interesting scripture, isn't it? First it shows you who's the greatest prophet who ever lived. Who's the greatest prophet who ever lived? John the Baptist, isn't it? But notice, even the greatest prophet of the Old Testament is not as good or not as as great as the least in the kingdom of God. People get born again and say, well, I'm nothing. Well, you're greater than John the Baptist. It don't matter if you're out of millions and trillions of people who are born again. You're way on the bottom. You're still ahead of John the Baptist, praise God. You're greater than him. And why is that? It's because basically God now lives on the inside of you. He never lived on the inside of John the Baptist. He lives on the inside of us. And this is important because if the Spirit of God is in us, and the Bible says that God does everything not by might, doesn't do it by power, but he does it by his spirit, then it's important to have the Spirit of the Lord on the inside of you, and it's important for you basically to learn how to operate in the Spirit of God. Let me just say this. Anything that God ever asks you to do or wants you to do, he's already placed on the inside of you. It's not something that you need in the future. It's not something you've got to beg for. God put on the inside of you everything that you need. It's already in there. He he already put the ability to pastor on the inside of me when I was born again. It was already there. Now, whether I was going to let it come forth or not, see, because what he tells you to do many times in your natural mind, you don't think that you can do, not understanding that it's his ability in you that's going to do it. And thank God, not my ability that has to do it. Praise God. So basically on the inside of you, the Bible says that greater is he that is in you than that is in the world. So we've got God living on the inside of us. The Bible says it's Christ. Christ in me is the hope of who? Hope of glory. In other words, manifesting the nature and the power of God is already on the inside of every born again believer. If you're in the kingdom of God, that's who you are and everything that you need is already on the inside of you. Now here it says that John basically was greater than any man ever born of a woman. How many know that's talking the natural realm? And um, let me say, it it says the people in the kingdom of God are greater than me. How many of you know there was no people in the kingdom of God right right now? At this point, so John at this time was the greatest person basically on the earth. Jesus came to provide for us a new birth since Adam made a mistake, and basically, he provided a way out of our sin, a way out of our failure, a way out of our defeat, a way out of all these things into a place, into a new birth, into a new country or a new kingdom. Say, Heaven Heaven is a country. country. Notice, Heaven is a real country, even though you can't see it, it's a real country, it's a spiritual country. It's basically got a king who is ruling. How many know he's doing a very good job? But he decided to colonize the earth, basically, by making it part of heaven. And how did he do that? Instead of him coming here to rule and reign himself, he wanted to stay in heaven. He created mankind to rule here on the earth realm, to colonize the earth realm. In other words, we're supposed to be bringing his nature, his will, his intent, his purposes into this natural realm, basically, of earth, so that earth looks exactly like heaven. That's why we pray the prayer, be on heaven as it is on earth, because that's God's purpose, and that's what he did. But mankind was the one, basically, that he wants to use. Now notice it says we're greater than John the Baptist. Say I'm greater greater. than John the Baptist. Baptist. Now why is that? Because number one, John pointed to Christ, but you have Christ living on the inside of you today. The Bible says that John the Baptist was a voice in the wilderness. You have the voice speaking through you on a daily basis. John was the greater one, said the greater one is coming after me. We can say the greater one now lives on the inside of me. So basically the remember the woman at the well? She had all kinda issues. She had Married five men, date another one, everything else. Jesus came and offered her a free gift. What was that free gift? The free gift of salvation or being born again into the kingdom of God. He was giving her an opportunity to show her that there was a better life there. So one thing you've got to understand is the main thing that happened to you when you got born again or when you got saved, the greatest thing you received was not heaven. So he offered her the gift of God. Say the gift of God. The gift of God. Now, the gift of God, we've thought for years because we've been taught as once we get born again, our gift is heaven. Our gift is salvation, but notice the real gift that you got when you entered the kingdom of God and got born again is not salvation, it's the Savior. You got him now living on the inside of you, and why did he come here? Just to make sure he can drag you to heaven the day that you die? No, he's on the inside of you to complete a purpose that God gave to mankind a long time ago, and every single person in here Mm -hmm. has a part in that purpose that God has to do, and that's why you're here learning so everything that you ever needed is already on the inside of you you're not lacking nothing you're not missing anything everything that god ever wanted to put on the inside of you is already there because when christ came in how many know he might have brought his power with him he might have brought his wisdom with him he might have brought his understanding with him he might have brought his purpose with him all those things are already on the inside of us so if you think of it that way basically in the kingdom of god there are no losers Mm -hmm. there are only choosers See, there are no losers. If you're a loser in the kingdom of God, it's because you're a chooser in the wrong things in your life. It's basically occupying your time rather than spiritual things and your purpose here in the kingdom of God. So if you don't want to be a loser, you have to be a chooser of what God has already put forth and told you to do so that you can grow in the things of God. All right, look at verse 12. It says, and from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by... Force. Now, this is interesting here. Notice, from the days of John the Baptist until when? Until now. In other words, from the beginning, to John's ministry, till the days of Jesus on earth, the kingdom of God, or the kingdom of heaven, suffered violence. Another translation says, the violent take it by force. One says the violent take it by storm, and one says the violent take it with a violent assault to receive it. So, up until now, Jesus had not paid for salvation. Up until now, he's not paid for healing. He hasn't paid for forgiveness yet. He has not gone to the cross yet at this time. Yet people, if you study in the four Gospels, were pushing their way into a kingdom that was not even readily available for them to get into yet because Jesus had not brought back the kingdom. They were receiving at that time kingdom benefits that weren't even provided yet by Jesus on the cross because they were violently going after the kingdom of God through something called faith. Say faith. Faith. So before the body was broken, before Jesus went to the cross, before Jesus suffered and died, before Jesus was raised from the dead, there were Old Testament people who were actually receiving of a kingdom that was not even available for them at the time. Go to Mark chapter 7. Hi, Mark chapter 7, are you there? Look at verse 25. For a certain woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by nation, and she besought him that he would cast forth the devil out of her daughter. But Jesus said unto her, Let the children first be filled, for it is not meet to take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs. And she answered and said unto him, Yes, Lords. Yet the dogs under the table eat the children's bread. And he said unto her, For this saying, Go thy way, the devil has come out of your daughter. And when she was come to her house, she found the devil gone out, and her daughter laid upon the bed. Notice this lady, he tells you quite a bit because it wants you to understand that. She had no covenant whatsoever. She was not Jewish. She basically came to receive from the kingdom of God, even though she had no right whatsoever to receive from the kingdom of God. So what did Jesus do? He called her a dog. Say a dog. Aren't you glad he's not pastoring here? called them a dog. Why is it? Because that, if you did not belong to the Jewish nation at that time, you were basically a Gentile, and sometimes Gentiles were called a dog, and she had no legal right to do that. But notice, violently by faith, she said, even the puppies get the crumbs. And what happened to her by doing that? She received from a kingdom and a covenant that she had no right to receive from whatsoever just because she came violently by her faith to receive what she knew was available in a kingdom that she did not even belong to. All right, go to Mark chapter 2. All right, Mark chapter 2, let's just start in verse, let's just start in verse 1. And again, Jesus entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noise that he was in the house. And straightway many were gathered together insomuch that there was no room to receive them, no, not as much as the door, and he preached the word unto them. And they came to him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was carried of four, and when they could not come nigh unto him because of the press, they Uncovered the roof where he was, and when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why does this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins only but God? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your heart? Whether is it easier to say to the sick of the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise, and take up thy bed, and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, take up thy bed, and go thy way into thy house. And immediately he rose up, took up the bed, and went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed, and they glorified God, saying, We have never seen anything like this before. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So notice, what do we have here? We see people, five guys, bringing someone who was sick of the palsy, who couldn't basically walk. They couldn't get into Jesus because there was a crowd there, so they took the roof off somebody's house. Now, how many of know their houses back then were probably just as valuable as their houses now? I mean, if, if I was in my living room and four people couldn't get into me and they took the roof off my house to get the person in there, I'd just wait till I got some time to do it. I mean, give me a break. I like my roof. So basically, it showed that they're, they're going after their, their anxiety, what they wanted to do. And notice what Jesus said. Your sins are forgiven. Say, your sins are forgiven. Now, notice Jesus hasn't been to the cross yet. He hasn't paid the price for man's sin. He hasn't paid a price for man to become righteous. But what happened here? These people were violently entering into a kingdom which provides health that belonged to them, and they were doing it through the faith that they had. They were violently receiving from the kingdom of God by faith, even though they did not belong to the kingdom of God. Are you with me? Well, now let's talk about today. The kingdom's here. Yes. Forgiveness has been paid for. Yes. Healing has been provided. Peace is a gift on the inside of everybody. You no longer have to take from the kingdom of God on credit violently what doesn't belong to you because everything in the kingdom of God, once you moved into the kingdom of God, now belongs to you. It's part of your inheritance that came. The only thing you have to do is simply agree with the inheritance that belongs to you and receive what belongs to you. It's no longer what God might do. It's no longer what God may do. But it's what God has already done on the cross, as we found out last week, that's been provided for everybody who entered the kingdom of God. You don't have to beg for things in the kingdom of God. You don't have to qualify for things in the kingdom of God. Everything in the kingdom of God you received as your inheritance by birth. Say by birth. By birth. Now, how many know it was a spiritual birth? <laughs> That you did, just like in America, when you got born in the United States, you became a citizen of the United States, and everything in the the USA now belonged to you, didn't it? Because you were a citizen. Well, it's the same way in the kingdom of God. You came in. What did the new birth provide for you? It provided for you power, provided for you healing, provided for you victory, provided for you joy, provided for you peace, provided knowledge, provided all these things. So before the blood, they were taking forgiveness. Before the stripes, they were taking healing. Before the resurrection, they were living in victory. But we are not living in the before lifestyle. We have now entered into the after lifestyle. After the blood, after the stripes, after the resurrection, the Bible in Corinthians says all the promises of God are yes and amen. Yes and amen. They're not future promises anymore. Healing and victory and joy and the new creation is not a future promise to you. All the promises of God are Yes and amen. And God's not going to vacillate between hope and faith. He's already provided for you what needs to be provided. This is why you cannot blame God for things that take place in your life that he's already done for you. It's in the receiving that you do. If something's messed up in my life, I always used to go to God and complain to him. God, when are you going to straighten out? Come on, you've all thought it. God, I i may have done everything i did. I've been going to church every Wednesday and every Sunday, and I've been reading my Bible, and I've been praying, and here I am, like I'm sick again, and I don't like your stuff, and here I am, and what the heck's the matter with you? Don't you believe your own word? And then I found out that it was already provided for me, and I was in the receiving end. And I'll tell you what you do if you get in that state. You'll try to do something to qualify for it. I'll go to church five times a week. Maybe he'll see me then. I'm going in again. I'm coming out again. You got to heal me now. Did you see that? And then somebody comes along who goes to church once a month and they get healed. Mm-hmm. You think, man, this God's really screwed up. This guy's really got some issues. I don't know what the problem is. Until you understand that all this stuff was provided for you 2,000 years ago and we entered into the kingdom of God. I'll tell you what, if, if this year you filed your taxes and you got a refund, I guarantee if you went to filed your taxes, the government was going to call you and say, hey, don't you know you got a refund here of $2,000? Let me send that to you. Are you crazy? Now, if you owed money, you may have got a call. Listen, these things basically are received by faith and what's already been provided for us. You don't have to get violent. You don't have to cry. You don't have to get down and beat the floor. You don't have to. They're free things that are given to us. And, you know, in the natural, we like free things, don't we? I mean, when we get a BOGO, we take advantage of a BOGO, praise God. We buy one and we get one free. And I tell you, it makes you mad when you don't. One time she went to the store and she saw a little, one of those little apple pies. She knew I liked them and she bought it and I keep up on the grocery stores. And She brings it home and says, look what I bought you. And I said, where's the other one? She said, what other one? I said, they're BOGO this week. I didn't even know. I thought, you've got to be kidding me. I could have had two little apple pies for the same price as one apple pie. She brings home one. I guess that's just a bowl. bow and go before you get the other one well how many know that upset me a little bit that I could have had two apple pies yet in the kingdom of God we've got bogos all over the place and we're not even bowing much less going and that's because we've been taught that God's holding all this stuff back for us, that we've got to do this in order to get it, That we've got to fight, and we've got to scrap. No, in the Old Testament, they had to do that because they had no legal right to get what was there. But you've got a legal right because you've entered into the kingdom of God. You are a kingdom citizen, and everything in the kingdom belongs to you, praise God. You ought to talk to him with confidence every time you go to him for something, knowing that he's going to give it to you, because it pleases him to give you the entire kingdom, the Bible says. Not to hold it back and make you beg for it. He's not a, that kind of God where you've got to beg for everything. Hallelujah. All right, go to Matthew chapter 12. All right, Matthew chapter 12, look at verse 27. Jesus said, if I by Beelzebub cast out devils, by whom do your children cast them out? Therefore, they shall be your judges. But if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come unto you. So here he's talking about the kingdom of God. Say the kingdom of God. kingdom of God. He's showing here that evidence of the kingdom of God and the work of Christ on the inside of people was going to be to cast out devils so casting out devils is a simple kingdom operation it's not spooky it's not anything else it's just a kingdom operation that's basically is done just like driving 70 mile an hour on i-95 is a kingdom operation in the natural that you do praise god it's you understand it's a natural thing it's not a ooh. and we see all these hollywood things showing us everybody's head spinning around and everybody throwing everything up and everything else we get a wrong perception of this stuff but as a kingdom citizen i mean even his disciples weren't born again do you know that he just gave them delegated power and authority to go out. They were casting out devils all over the place. They were so shocked that it worked. They came back and they said, "Oh my God, even the devils are subject to us in our name." And what did Jesus say? Jesus said, "Praise God! I've seen Satan fall like lightning from the sky." What was he saying? It's coming. Praise God. We ain't going to have any trouble casting him out anymore because that devil's going to be defeated once and for all. And when that's done, praise God, there's going to be people that actually go around and cast the devil out. So notice what he says. And first of all, first of all, what did they do to Jesus? They accused him of demon power. They couldn't deny the power, could they? Because it was working. They had to adjust it. He's of the devil. And Jesus made it very simple. You know, the devil's probably not going to cast out the devil. I know that's deep. (laughs) I know that's pretty deep for the people he was talking to, but it makes sense to me. I mean, get in them, come out of them. Get in them, come out of them. Get in them, come out of them. The devil would have been driving himself nuts. So he says, basically, that wasn't it. But notice what he said. He says, there's a coming generation... Verse 27, if I I by Beelzebub cast out devils, by whom do your children cast them out? You know, there's a future generation who's going to cast out devils, do the works of Christ, let the power of God flow out of the inside of them. There's a day coming when the children of God will be casting out devils all over the place as soon as the kingdom of God arrives. How many of you know the kingdom of God is here? It's not coming when you die and go to heaven. It's already been returned when Jesus came back to the earth. And so Jesus was casting out devils then. And he's still casting out devils now, only he's casting out devils through you on the inside of you to set people free. until this time if you just think back and you read your bible you're going to find out until this time demons basically controlled everything they were the little god of this world i mean if somebody got demon possessed they couldn't do anything about it they were demon possessed they can do nothing with it but now basically when the kingdom of god arrived god gave us the ability and the opportunity to deal with the kingdom of darkness once and for all people say well you're only human well you're right i am a human but i'm filled with the power of god I'm not only a human, I've got more than just a regular human does. I've got somebody on the inside of me, praise God, who can cast out devils and heal the sick and do all those things. So basically the answer for sickness and disease is not in a laboratory someplace, it's in you. The answer for depression is not in a bottle someplace, it's in you. The answer for those insane people is not in an asylum, it's already on the inside of us. And we have to do what God has told us to do in the kingdom of God. All right, look at verse 29. Jesus said, or how else can one enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods except he first bind the strong man and then he will be able to spoil his goods? So, what's he saying? He's saying basically, when the strong man's bound, basically, then it's easy to take whatever you want. I mean, you go in and you tie somebody up and you want to rob their house. How I many you know if they're tied up? It's pretty easy to take whatever you want and walk out with whatever you want. So, these people in the Old Testament here that we read about in Jesus' day were basically when the, the strong man wasn't even bound. They had no right to what they were getting. They had no thing. So receiving on credit because of the tenacious faith they had to receive what was already in the kingdom of God that they needed. Notice, but we're in the after of it. The enemy now has been bound. The devil's been spoiled. The Bible said he spoiled principalities and powers. The Bible says he brought him to naught that had the power of death. That is the devil. So this is after the strong man has been bound. So for us to receive from God should be easier than they did back then. Say, I am am. A a kingdom citizen. All right, go to Luke chapter 17. All right, Luke chapter 17, look at verse 20. And when he was demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said unto them, The kingdom of God comes not with observation, neither shall they say, Lo here or lo there, for behold, the kingdom of God is where? within you so notice here come the pharisees are looking to see the kingdom of god because they were natural people who really didn't know much about the holy ghost they were looking to see something out here that proved that the kingdom of god had come and jesus says that's not going to work because the kingdom of god is basically not out here until i get it in here and then it manifests out here and then you'll be able to see results of the kingdom not necessarily the kingdom but the kingdom of god that's on the inside of every single person so why does the kingdom of god come so his will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So what's my purpose? I've got the kingdom of God on the inside of me, the power of God in me, and I am going to line everything up here on earth with heaven. If I see sickness, there's no sickness in heaven. If I see depression, there's no depression in heaven. If I see somebody down and out, there's no depression. What am I going to I'm going to preach the good news to that person of the kingdom of God that they can enter into at that time and let them know that it's not up to God. The Bible in Corinthians tells us to be ye reconciled to God. It's their choice. And when you show them that scripture, they're going to see that. It's not whether God's going to be reconciled to them. He already did. He already went to the cross, provided everything. So it's up to them. Are they going to be reconciled to God? Are they going to receive God's kingdom? Are they going to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior? When they do, they entered into the kingdom of God. How many know that takes faith? Come on. Faith was a free gift. We've got faith on the inside of us. Salvation was a free gift, but you still had to receive it. God didn't come down here to anybody and grab you around the throat and say, receive me as your Lord and Savior. <laughs> he didn't do that. So he's not going to do it with anything else. He basically provided, and you're a spiritual being who can then receive what he's already provided. Praise God. All right, go to John chapter 3. Charlene had talked a little bit this morning up here about your father, your daddy. He is your father. Do you know that? We sing the song, Good, Good Father. I wonder how many of us actually believe it. See? He really is a good, good father. And and most, 99.9.9% time, when there's something wrong in my life, I got to look at myself. I don't like that, but I've got to look at myself. Because somewhere along the line, I'm missing the connection that was already given to me. Maybe I didn't sign my tax return. You know, there's always something there. And I'll tell you what, if you go to the Holy Ghost because the Father wants you to receive everything that he has so much, the Holy Ghost will show you what you forgot to sign, where you would miscalculated, where you added wrong, where you forgot to take a deduction, where you did this. He will show you that in your life and take you step by step by step into a place where you can receive freely from him because he sent Jesus to the cross so that you could have everything. He didn't send Jesus to the cross so you wouldn't get anything. He sent it so you could have everything. The Bible says, and with him freely has given us all things. Praise God. All right, John chapter 3, look at verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, surely, surely, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom So here comes Nicodemus. He had a deduction already from watching Jesus. He knew that he was a teacher come from God because nobody could do the miracles that he could do. So they figured that God was with him. Notice Jesus did not do miracles because he was Jesus. He did miracles because God was with him and in him. So Nicodemus is asking, how do you do it? Jesus simply answered, it's easy. All you want to do, if you want to see the kingdom of God, the power of God, operate in the things of God, you must be born Again, When you were born again, you were born into a spiritual kingdom that exists. It's just as real as a natural kingdom, only more real. And it's already there, and you were born into that kingdom. And when you were born into that kingdom, you became part of a spiritual country. How do you become a miracle worker? How do you become a kingdom of God operator? How do you become a demon ejector? Basically, you get born into the kingdom of God. How many of you are born in the kingdom of God? All right, then that told me when I found this out that many of the things I was putting up with in my life, I had because I was putting up with in my life. Nobody ever told me that I'd get free of this stuff. Nobody ever told me that it didn't belong to me. All you're supposed to do is pray to God and hope that he does something, but I found out he already did something, and he gave me authority to do something about many of my situations, many of my problems, many of my illnesses, many of my pains, many of my, and even the people around you got something to do about, you can always pray for them rather than scream at them. See, if you keep doing the same thing over again, somebody says insanity is doing the same thing over again and for 30, 35 years of my life, I was just doing the same thing over again and expecting a different result. I mean, know there was nothing there. It was the same way. Then once I found out I could deal with my anger problem, I could deal with my insecurity, I could deal with my rejections, I could deal with all these things because God had given me the power to do those things. Everybody wants, wants prayer and that's okay, but I'll tell you what, the change has to be on the inside of you. If you have a spirit of rejection on your whatever and thing gets cast off and you don't do any change and chances are you be back. Be like a once a week service. See, you'll keep coming back to do it again. The change has to take place on the inside of you. And part of that is what I'm teaching you this morning that God loves you and wants you to have everything that he has access in heaven to you. He loves you and wants you to have a he's a loving good father and you won't have any problem with rejection when you know that he's not rejecting you. Because anybody else that rejects you doesn't compare to him anyway, praise God. And as long as he's happy with me, I'm very happy at the same time, praise God. But see, but, but most of the people don't even think he likes them. So they don't think anybody else likes them either. Well, you can't do that, praise God. The love of God will drive the fear that's in your life. Perfect love casts out Aww. how much fear? Aww. All fear. And fear is the issue with 99% of the people. They're afraid of this, afraid of that, afraid of that. Well, why are you afraid? Because you don't know his perfect love yet. But I'll tell you what, he loves you this morning. I don't care what you did yesterday. I don't care what you did last week. I don't care what you did 20 years ago. I don't care what you do tomorrow. He loves you with an unconditional love, and you can't shake that. Praise God. He just loves you because he loves you. Glory to God. Hallelujah. All right. Here, Taylor, Taylor says, you must be born from above. Say, I'm born from above. from above. Then if you're born from above, then you're above sickness, above demons, above the natural, above your circumstances, above the problems that are in your life because you've been born from above. All right. Look at verse 4. Nicodemus said unto him how in the heck can a man be born when he's old like me can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born again and all the mothers are glad and say amen that ain't the truth (laughs) your Lord Jesus once was enough notice he didn't have a clear he didn't have a clue of spiritual things whatsoever he had no idea and that's much like the church today. Come on, are you saved? Yes. Going to heaven? Yes, heaven's my home. Are you righteous? I should say not. I'm not. Are you holy? Oh, there's one holy. Only God is holy. Do you have power? No, but I know somebody who does. And notice, all that stuff sounds like humility, but it's stupidity. Because you've been made holy. You've been made righteous. You do have power. The reason he gave you power was to use the power, not to claim that he has the power that he gave you. And the church is standing around with all this power. I mean, when we get up before him, I think one of the first questions he's going to do, what did you do with all the gifts I gave you? Well, I thought you had them all. (laughs) He's going to say, no, you don't. I gave them to you. Remember, Jesus came to give them all back to you. I didn't know it. Well, then you didn't do much while you were down there. Praise God. Hallelujah. So you're born again. So being born again, notice, is more than an eternal direction change. It's God coming to live on the inside of you with a new life on the inside of you, the spirit of God on the inside of you. What's he there? To enforce God's will, God's nature, God's purposes here in the earth realm through the power of God hallelujah all right look at verse six that which is born of flesh is and that which is born of spirit is so here's two realms again isn't it one born of flesh is flesh the other born of spirit is spirit most people get born of the spirit then they want to judge their spiritual rebirth by their flesh doesn't work that way. Everything that took place in you when you got born again did not change your outer appearance. How many of you know that? Wouldn't it be nice if you got born again and you just dropped 40 years off your life and you were young again? And and how many know even your actions and your attitudes didn't change really when you got born again. All that stuff was still there because it's a spiritual rebirth on the inside of you. So just because you get born again and then two weeks later you're still doing something wrong, you can't claim to be that. You have to believe who you are on the inside and the change comes from the inside on the outside. See, if you're addicted to anything this morning, just believe that you've been delivered from that addiction. And if you speak that way, talk that way, think that way, pretty soon that addiction will go, bye-bye. But if you try to fight that, I'm going to fight it. I'm going to quit drinking tomorrow. No, you're not. You're going to probably drink twice as much tomorrow. It's like when you go on a fast. Have you ever gone on, have ever gone on a fast? I'm going to go on a fast tomorrow. My God, everything in sight looks good, doesn't it? I'm telling you, what, they could bring out asparagus and broccoli, and it looks like a T-bone steak to you. Why is that? Because your flesh just doesn't. I mean, it just doesn't know what's going on here. So I want to, from the inside out. I want to work from my inside out. Am I holy? Yes. How am I going to live a holy life? Only when I believe I'm holy, made that way, will I live that way. It comes that way, not by you getting that way, then claiming to be that way. You're a new creation. Say, I'm a new creation, I'm a new creation. In, Christ Jesus. in Christ Jesus today. today. I'm holy. I'm, I'm righteous. I'm righteous. I, am I am full of the Spirit of God. Of Spirit. I am a mighty warrior. I'm For the kingdom of God, God. victory is mine mine. 24-7, and I will settle settle. for nothing less. less. All right, look at verse 7. Jesus said, marvel not that I said unto you that you must be what? And people say, well, I'm Catholic. Well, good for you. Are you born again? Well, I'm Methodist. Well, good for you. But the question is, are you born again? I'm Pentecostal. Well good. The question is, are you born again? Because Jesus said you must be born again. All right, go to Colossians chapter one. You gotta start prophesying to your own dry bones. Raise them things up, praise God. All right, Colossians chapter 1, look at verse 13. Talking about Jesus, it says, Who hath, past tense, delivered us from the power of darkness, and hath, past tense, translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of their sins. Notice it again, who has, past tense, has, past tense. The church and a lot of people and most people in the church believe the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God does not start until you die and go to heaven but that's not true notice you have been already transferred out of one kingdom into a another kingdom you are already forgiven you are already redeemed you are no longer in the kingdom of darkness you have to live here in the earth but basically you've been translated into the kingdom of his dear son already you're already there not when you go to heaven as soon as you enter into the kingdom of god you are there go to mark chapter 9 all right mark chapter 9 just look at verse 1 for now and jesus said unto them verily or surely i say unto you that there be some of them that stand here which shall not taste of death till they have seen the kingdom of god come with what now this is interesting here first of all it says the kingdom of god's coming second of all it says the kingdom of god's going to come with what power, but it also said that there's some people who are standing right there, say right there, say they were standing right there, right there. he said that are going to see this kingdom come with power. power. Now if the kingdom has not come yet, then we have to find at least two witnesses who are 2,000 years old, because they've got to be standing there when the kingdom of God comes with power, right? And look what it says, they have seen the kingdom of God come with power, say power. power. All right, look at verse 2. And after six days, Jesus takes with him Peter and James and John, leads them up into a high mountain apart from themselves, and he was transfigured before their eyes. And his raiment came shining, exceeding white as snow, as no full of the earth can white them. And there appeared unto them Elias and Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. And Peter answered and said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. And let us make three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, one for Elijah. And he was wist not what to say, for he was sore afraid." And there was a cloud that overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved Son, hear him. And suddenly when they had looked around, they no long, longer saw any man except Jesus, only themselves. All right, now notice this is the Mount of Transfiguration. Praise God. I think it's the Mount of Transference is what I think it really is. Basically, at this time, what happened? He took three people up, three people who are going to be pillars of the church. He took them up to show the coming of the kingdom of God. At that time, Jesus started praying. When he did, he started glowing. Remember, who was it? Isaiah in chapter 60 said, Arise, shine, for the light has come. The glory of the Lord has risen upon you. What happened? The glory of the Lord arisen upon Jesus. In that time, he became glowing white. And Peter, James, and John were there. And, of course, they saw it. And they got all afraid about it. And, of course, they wanted to box up the glory because they're afraid of the glory. And that's what you did in the old days was put it in a box but notice what happened here Jesus basically saw Elias and he saw Moses say Moses Moses. say Elias Elias. now what were these two okay Moses represented what The the law what did Elias represent he represented the prophets so he had the law and the prophets of the Old Testament who came Jesus brought the members of the church who were going to be leading the church at that time he came up to them and basically I believe at this time he said Moses you did a great job with the law. I want to congratulate you. You did everything you were supposed to. Elias, the prophets, thank God. You prophesied everything. I'm so happy that you prophesied everything. I'm so happy about that. But now, this is my beloved son, and you need to start hearing him. Are you following me? Hearing him. If I'm going to live in the kingdom of God, I'm going to have to hear I'm going to have to do what God told me to do, is hear him. Why? Because everything that Jesus dealt with and the New Testament deals with is after the kingdom of God has arrived. Many of the things that are prophesied before are before are prophesied about the kingdom coming or about coming. So God said, hey, great job, but now listen to you. You've got to hear ye him. In other words, now you've got to hear what Jesus said. So I believe the words in red of Jesus basically are very, very important. That's why I spent a lot of times in the four gospels because if he told me to hear ye him, then I want to hear ye him basically. And most of the time, Jesus, when he talked to people, the one people got born again, as soon as they got born again, Jesus said, I recognize it. If you continue in my words, well, the only words that they could continue in at that time were the words that Jesus spoke at that time because they hadn't written Ephesians, Colossians, and all those things. And I'm not putting those books down. I'm telling you, Jesus' words are the foundation for you to go into the New Testament and get more revelation out of the kingdom of God. But if you know nothing about the kingdom of God, the New Testament is going to become law to you. I'm not supposed to lie anymore. I'm a liar, but I'm not going to lie. I've lied all my life, but I'm going to quit lying right now. First chance you get, you're going to lie. Why is that? Because you're not a liar anymore. You're not a weak person anymore. You're not an alcoholic anymore. You're not bound anymore. According to the New Testament, you are a brand new species of being that never existed before on the inside. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. You have been righteous by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. You have been made holy by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I tell you, here's what we use faith for. Give me a car. Give me a house. How about a boat? How about a better job? If you just use your faith to believe who you are, you'd have all the things that you wanted on the backside. See, when you believe you're a righteous, holy king and priest and, and, and operate in the kingdom of God, all these things you desire will be added. And God gives you the desires of your heart. And then you know what he does? He gives you the desires of your heart. But if your desires of your heart are still in a worldly thing and you're still out there in the world and you're still trying to get all this stuff and everything else, all that stuff doesn't mean anything compared to your nature. You may take people out in the boat for a little bit and they'll love you, but then if they come back and live with you for three hours, how much they're going to love you? Come on. Why? Because we're so things-oriented in this world. Things, things, things. The Bible never told you to pursue things. It told you to rule over. But we're too busy pursuing them. And then when we get them, we don't want them anyway. And Then we want something else. And then we want this. Then we want that. So hearing him, what does it do? It changes your heart to line up with what Jesus' purpose was, what Jesus' plan was. I mean, you read the Gospels. It's talked about nothing but the kingdom of God through the whole thing. The kingdom of God is like, and the kingdom of God is like this. What can we compare the kingdom of God to? Talked about the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom. Why? So that people would get a revelation of the kingdom, not of religion, not of self works not of law but of the kingdom of god where god has freely provided for a people took them back he restored us say he restored us <laughs> notice he restored us to our original place and purpose that they lost way back in the garden years ago restore means to put in its original place so everybody's looking at heaven he can't restore you to heaven because you never came from there you can't be restored back to heaven you were never in heaven you were here and in the future time what are you going to be doing you're going to be ruling the Earth here Praise God The meek shall inherit the Earth And we're going to be put down here We're going to be ruling Reigning in, a, in an earth That's nothing like this Thank you Jesus And <laughs> I'm going to be fighting Arguing Not going to have to Weed my garden <laughs> I'm Going to have to get Scratched with thorns Every time I cut This stupid bush out here <laughs> All those things Will be gone Because it's going to be A new place for us to be But now It's important for us To help enter in That kingdom of God And we do that By listening to Him Say Listening to Him listening All right, one more. Go to Isaiah 55. Hear ye him. Hear ye him. And you can tell that they were hearing ye him, but they weren't hearing any him. Because Jesus, if you check it out, most of the time he just talked about the Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost is coming. Holy Ghost is going to dwell in you. When I leave, I'm going to send the Holy Ghost. You're going to have the Holy Ghost. You're going to have the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is going to live in you. You know what's going to happen when I leave? I'm going to send the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is going to come. He's going to lead and guide you in all the truth. Holy Ghost is going to come. Disciples, the Holy Ghost is going to come. And as soon as they saw the power of the Holy Ghost, you know what Peter wanted to do? Build a box. Jesus probably went, oh, my Lord. Oh, Father. Can we move that crucifixion up? All right, Isaiah 55. Ho, say ho. Ho. Ho, everyone that thirsts, come ye to the waters, and he that has no money, come ye buy and eat. Yea, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Wherefore, how come you spend your money for what's not bread, and your time and your labor for things that you know sooner or later going to satisfy you anyway? I'll tell you what you do. Hearken diligently Unto me and eat ye that which is good, and let your soul delight in fatness and satisfied. See, tell them, switch your thing over, praise God. Get out of this world, get out of the things of this world, get out of the stuff of this world, get into the things of the kingdom of God. Everything God gives you is free. It's a continued bogo from heaven, praise God. <laughs> All the time it's free, everything's free, healing's free, Uh, power's free, glory's free, peace is free, joy is free, and the world's tugging, trying to steal all this stuff, and every time you get involved in things of the earth realm, it's going to steal everything that you've got on the inside. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. All he's after in your life is your faith. That's It's all he wants is your faith. Well, he's after my money. If he gets your faith, he'll get your money. It's it. It's a faith. The, the currency of the earth is money. The currency of God is faith. That's how you access and buy everything from heaven. You do it basically by the faith that God has placed on the inside of you. So I'm going to believe that I'm holy, whether people think I'm holy or not. I'm going to believe I'm righteous, whether you think I'm righteous or not. I'm going to believe I'm powerful, whether anybody thinks I'm powerful or not. I'm going to believe I'm healed, I'm blessed, I'm anointed. I'm going to believe I'm a son of the living God, whether anybody believes it or not. Why is that? Because that's who I really am and that's who, who he told me to be. Now, when I believe that, I'll start acting like that. I'll act like a king. I'll act like a son of a God. I'll act like these things. You'll be able to say no to things that you couldn't say no to before because you're now ruling and ruling over those things. Praise God. Say, say, I am am a new creation. creation. Old things, 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 thank God, God, have passed away. away, And all things things have become new. new. All things things are of God. God. I've been reconciled reconciled to God. God. I'm his son. I'm his his daughter. daughter. I've I've been put here to rule and reign reign in every situation. situation. I choose choose to live in victory victory today, 100% of the time. time. I choose choose joy. joy. I choose choose peace. peace. I choose choose to reject whatever tries to come in my life that is not lined up with the kingdom of heaven. I am a child of the living God. for listening. For more from Treasure Coast Victory Center, visit us at mytcbc.com.